Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome into a special edition of Inside Boxing Live. We're on the road here from Jack Doyle's restaurant and bar right in the heart of New York City. And we have a big show planned for you today. It is a slow time in the world of boxing. Traditionally is in August, but that doesn't stop us here at Inside Boxing Live. There are some huge fights still to come here in August, this Saturday on ESPN+. we got Sergey Kovalev going up against Anthony Yard. And this fight has major implications as Kovalev comes through this fight. He'll face Canelo Alvarez, so all eyes will be on Russia this Saturday. Following week, Labor Day weekend, ESPN Plus as well. Vasil Lomachenko steps into the ring, steps into UK soil for the first time as a pro, going up against Luke Campbell in a battle of a U.S. Olympian gold medalist. So there are some fights here in August before we get into the final quarter of 2019 uh, in September. But... We said that this is a slow time in boxing. That doesn't stop us here at Inside Boxing. We have something planned for you here uh, in the world of boxing. Going through the biggest topics, we're going to call it the Standing A Count. And joining me today on the Standing A Count, he is a former HBO boxing producer. He's the current host of Axe the Experts podcast and a guy you see on Triton Fights. He's on camera. He's everywhere. And we're going to go through topic by topic some of the biggest things that are going on in boxing because there's a lot of stuff going on whether it's Anthony Joshua and his fight with Andy Ruiz whether it's the LA Times article pronouncing boxing dead for the 3,000th time I probably underestimated it there uh, Floyd Mayweather Manny Pacquiao were in the news this is usually happens when we get to August when there's not a lot going on and not just in boxing but in sports in general, let's take a look. You put on the TV, you're seeing lists now. You're seeing the 50 greatest rappers. You're seeing the 50 greatest athletes. Magic Johnson's putting together a list. It's the slowest time in sports. So that's when you crank up these Mount Rushmore's. That's when you crank up crazy stories. Like why is Floyd Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao? Why are their videos resurfacing? Because there's nothing going on in boxing. But we have a big show for you today. Let's get in to our newest segment here on Inside Boxing Live. It's the Standing A Count. Our next interview on Inside Boxing Live is brought to you by Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar. Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located just a few steps away from Madison Square Garden and Times Square. Go into Jack Doyle's for all your entertainment needs. From happy hours to birthday parties to private events, Jack Doyle's has you covered. Once again, that's Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located on 240 West 35th Street. We are here on set, Jack Doyle's restaurant and bar. It's time for the standing eight count. Joining me, Karen Badia, somehow managed to not mention your name in our opening, so I'm gonna say it twice, like David Diamante does. Current Batia. Batia joins us right now for the standing eight count. He is a former HBO boxing producer and the current host of X the Experts podcast. Now, current, the busiest time in boxing is coming up here in September. We're going to get through a little rundown here. Let's start with the biggest story in boxing. That remains Anthony Joshua versus Andy Ruiz. Where is it going to take place? In Saudi Arabia is the proposed site for this one. They had a press conference last week, Eddie Hearn and some of the Saudi officials who are putting together this, this fight. But Anthony Joshua not in attendance. Andy Ruiz not in attendance. That's a first. Where is this fight going to be, current? So here's what we know. Andy Ruiz won the first fight. 
He knocked out Joshua four times. He is the new champion. And the rematch is signed. There's a contractual obligation to have a rematch. Eddie Hearn says, we're doing it in Saudi Arabia. Andrew Ruiz goes on social media and says, not so fast. And he said the words, I think this is important here, Dan. He said, I don't have any protection there. So what does that mean? That could mean he feels he doesn't have protection from judges and referees. He may feel like he just doesn't have protection in terms of where that fight is located. He doesn't feel comfortable going there. Or what I think is probably happening is they're getting a lot of money for Saudi Arabia. And Andy Ruiz is not necessarily getting more money in his pocket. And he's using this as leverage. That's my take on it, Dan. What do you think? Well, that's the thing is, is if you use the word protection, and that means a lot of things, especially when you're talking about a, a country like Saudi Arabia who has a whole list of uh, human elements that we don't want to get into right now. But we know what's going on there, whether it's you know problems with journalists, problems with, with females. That's a whole other ballgame here. But there is a lot of protection issues. Is Anthony Joshua... Is this fight going to have the proper commission? Who, who's coming in from Saudi Arabia? They don't have a, a commission there. So are they going to bring in a, a, an outside commission here? And then you bring over to, to Andy Ruiz's side of, of the coin here. Does he feel like he can get bamboozled here by the judges? And should this go the distance? So there's a lot of things. But the main thing that I took from what you just said is, is the money. This is $40 million that's reported that Saudi Arabia is giving Eddie Hearn and Matchroom to put on this fight. This is why I think that the fight will remain in Saudi Arabia, because that's $40 million. Listen, the fight is not going to happen in MSG for $40 million uh, uh, license fee. It's not going to happen in Vegas for $40 million. They don't throw around that type of money. So when it comes down to it, Anthony Joshua right now thinks that he's getting a piece of that $40 million. Uh, Eddie Hearn thinks he's getting a piece of that $40 million. How do they go back and let this fall apart? What do they do? How do they make up that money? Because you promised your fighter in Anthony Joshua a certain amount of money. This is prize fighting. It's another thing that people are all up in arms about boxing, you know, bringing up the biggest fight of the year to Saudi Arabia. This has been going on forever. There's fights every week. Next week, there's a fight in Russia. I mean, Putin does terrible things. So the selective outrage here, but all in all, I think this fight happens in Saudi Arabia mostly because of that $40 million site fee. I think... So boxing has happened even recently on a decently big level in Saudi Arabia. So Amir Khan just fought Billy Dib in the Super Boxing Huge League. fight. Come on. Huge fight. And they, they had uh, Rick Ross was there. Tyga was there. It was an event, right? And they were able to pull off the event. The money was there. A lot of times on these uh, fights that are taking place, maybe they say they have Middle East investors. And then the money falls apart. No, no. The money was there. Um, so the money is probably there this time. But again, we talked about the biggest hurdle is getting that money into Andy Ruiz's pocket and saying, hey, here's a little bit of money um, to make this okay, right. make you feel more protected, and we will see what happens. The other thing that, that we need to talk about just in terms of this fight is it's been a weird time between the first fight and the rematch. So Joshua recently said that he felt like it was a lucky punch, and I know we're going to talk about that later. So it's been interesting to see his conduct after the fight. Also, Ruiz. So Ruiz won this fight. It was very unexpected. None of us picked Ruiz to win. And now he's been partying. He's been buying a mansion. He's been buying a new car. What he hasn't been doing has been in the gym. I think he just got in the gym last week. So it's been an yes. odd uh, moment between fights, I think, here. It's, it's unique in a way. And, and that makes it even more strange uh, when we hear Saudi Arabia is now the front runner and has been signed by Eddie Hearn uh, to take to have the rematch. Well, and here he is. What did he say? He wanted to be like, he wanted to shed the fat and wanted to be yeah. shredded like Anthony Joshua. Not happening because no. uh, according to Tyson Fury of all sources, he was on ESPN this past weekend uh, for their fight. Uh, and he said that Andy Ruiz is not in the gym yet. He said he's not training. So is he, like, how is he taking this newfound fame? That's another thing Tyson Fury said too, is sometimes, is he a Buster Douglas? Or sometimes when a guy 
gets that overnight fame and becomes a champion when he wasn't supposed to, is he still training as hard? Is he still, right. you know, have that, that fire and that desire? I think he does, but when you bring up the point with the money, that's what Andy Ruiz is saying here. Yes, he hasn't gone on social media, and he hasn't said the fight is, is official. The only thing he said is, we have to work out some, some minor details here. Is it, you know, I'll go to Saudi Arabia, but you got to sweeten the pot a little bit, Eddie. Right. I mean, your guy's getting $31 million. Yes, there is a contract, and that's another thing fan thing to realize, that, that Andy, uh, Andy Ruiz signed away pretty much all his rights in this thing, to, in this fight coming up here. So, yes, maybe they'll sweeten the pot a little bit. Maybe they will, you know, I think he's making $9 million for the rematch. Let's say they jack it up to $15 million. Take a little bit away from that licensing fee. Go into the treasure trove. Give him $15 million. Does that make Andy Ruiz happy? I think it does. I think the fight ends up in Saudi Arabia December 7th, and I do think that Andy Ruiz will come out on top. All right, so let's move on to another saga, some more drama. We love drama in boxing. So Canelo and his longtime promoter, Golden Boy Promotions, were reportedly feuding. Canelo wanted to make the fight with uh, Sergey Kovalev. His promoter kind of dropped the ball there. He wanted the fight with Sergey Derevchenko. That didn't happen, and he was stripped of his IBF belt. But the latest reports are that Canelo and Golden Boy had a meeting. Now, it's not confirmed that Oscar De La Hoya was actually in that meeting, but we know that they had a meeting, the top representatives at Golden Boy and Canelo. And what they've discussed is Kovalev is going to fight Anthony Yard on August 24th. If Kovalev wins, he and Canelo are going to square off on November 2nd. And this is according to Kovalev's manager, Egis Klimas, who is a reliable source. So here's my question to you, Dan. The fact that that fight is tentatively in place, Canelo versus Kovalev, does that mean that there's no more trouble in paradise there between uh, Canelo and Golden Boy Promotions? No, this saga is far from over. And listen, I would love to see Kovalev go up against Canelo on the zone. I think the zone would love to see that too. If they're not going to get the third fight with Triple G and Canelo, they'll certainly settle for Kovalev and Canelo moving up. What, two weight classes now and daring to be great that whole narrative I think the zone would love that I know Canelo certainly wants it that's the fight he wanted from the jump he wanted nothing to do with Triple G he wanted Kovalev and that's something he put out there uh, last year but this has been the year of the upset Kern. this has been the year of unpredictability Andy Ruiz beating Anthony Joshua yeah. go down the list of all the upsets that we see right I think that Anthony Yard somehow wins this fight in Sergey Kovalev's hometown, throws a wrench wow. into these big plans for, for Canelo. Listen, Anthony Yard is no walk in the park. No. This dude is 18-0 with 17 knockouts. We've seen the erratic behavior from Sergey Kovalev. He's fighting in his hometown with all the distractions there. He's also looking at a career payday should he win. Those are all distractions. Yes, he is a veteran, but this has been the year of the upset. So yes. I'm going to ride with the fact that Anthony Yard upsets Kovalev, and now Canelo has to go back to the to the drawing board here and find his next opponent. So it's interesting because Kovalev actually fought Isaac Chalemba a few years back in yeah. his hometown, and we thought Kovalev was going to roll over Chalemba. And even though Kovalev won, it wasn't the easiest fight. So, like you said, there is a chance that distractions do play uh, a place in Kovalev's mind when he is at home. But I disagree with you, Dan, and I think Kovalev is going to win that fight against Yard. Yard does look great on paper, but in terms of opposition, we don't know what he has, and I think this fight is going to mean a lot to Kovalev because he knows what hangs in the balance is a Canelo mega fight, which could be one of the biggest fights of his career. Obviously, he had the fights with Andre Ward, but this could be huge. So I think what's going to happen is Kovalev will get through Yard, 
We'll see the big Canelo Kovalev showdown. Golden Boy's going to be happy. The Zone is going to be happy. Boxing fans are going to be happy. And then next year, we're going to get the fight that we all want to see. And that is the unfinished business between Canelo and Triple G. And I think next year, we're going to get that third fight. So let me ask you this, Dan. If Kovalev uh, doesn't get through Yard, what do you think is going to happen uh, in terms of Canelo's future? Who does he fight next? Does that Triple G fight go away? What happens then? Well, supposedly there's been a list of opponents that zone John Skipper is happy or content with right. for Canelo fighting. Of course, one of them is Triple G. Yep. One of them is Demetrius Andrade. And then there were names like Jamal Charlo being thrown into the mix. Uh, BJ Saunders just signed with Matchroom. I think any of those names, besides Triple G, of course, could potentially be in the fold should Yard get past Kovalev and throw a wrench into this whole plan for him. I can see this down the road. Uh, November, T-Mobile Arena, Demetrius Andrade with his share of the 160-pound uh, titles going up against Canelo with his share. Obviously, Triple G and Derevchenko are going to fight for the IBF strap. But a unification bout between the two, Canelo and, and Andrade, seems like the most logical fight to happen there uh, should Yard not get past Kovalev. Listen, I don't know it's a, if it's a walk in the park uh, for, for Kovalev. Yes, you brought up the fact that He's looking at, you know, career payday, biggest fight of his career. Will he come out tentative? Will he come out guns a blazing? This is the same guy that was knocked out uh, just two fights ago. He came and looked better with Buddy McGirt in there. Right. But, you made know, the I, adjustments. Yeah, yeah. Made, did, he make, did he make the proper adjustments? Right. I can see this erratic, you know, the erratic behavior, him getting into the later uh, portions of his career. Yeah. I can see Andrade uh, fighting Canelo. What do you think? You know, like I said, I think Canelo and Kovalev will happen. I think Canelo Triple G will happen next year. But the, just to put a button on it, I think the good thing is all of the names you mentioned fighting each other are great fights for the fans. And I would love to see any of those, and I think you would also. So let's hope that some of these big matchups come together. Our next interview on Inside Boxing Live is brought to you by Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar. Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located just a few steps away from Madison Square Garden and Times Square. Go into Jack Doyle's for all your entertainment needs. From happy hours to birthday parties to private events, Jack Doyle's has you covered. Once again, that's Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located on 240 West 35th Street. Okay, Curran, Spence and Porter, one of the biggest fights remaining on the boxing schedule. They had their first face-off press conference in L.A. You had Errol Spence, the calm, cool, composed as usual. Porter going a little crazy. They're trying to hype up the crowd. But my question here for you is both guys afterwards were asked who they want to fight should they win this. Terrence Crawford did not come up, but Manny Pacquiao's name came up. Are you surprised that both fighters are talking about Manny Pacquiao over Terrence Crawford? So, am I surprised? Absolutely not, and I'll tell you why. What side of the street is Terrence Crawford on? He's on, unfortunately, the way boxing works, he's on the other side of the street, the ESPN top rank side of the street. Errol Spence and Sean Porter are with PBC and Fox. You know who else is with PBC and Fox? Manny Pacquiao. So, first of all, just in terms of making the fight happen, making the fight happen, it's easier for them to fight Manny Pacquiao. Now the other reason is Crawford is an undefeated beast in his prime. Manny Pacquiao is, we just saw what he did against Keith Thurman, it was a masterful performance, but he is 40 years old and he's aging. And what that means is, if I was one of those guys, I would say, let me get my crack at Manny Pacquiao because to borrow a theory from the great Max Kellerman, everyone falls off a cliff eventually, and it's possible that Manny Pacquiao could fall off a cliff. So that's why I am personally not surprised. Yeah, well, Max Kellerman also said Tom Brady was gonna fall off a cliff, so I'm waiting for that to happen as well. But I agree with you here. It's pretty obvious what they're doing with this quasi-tournament with the PBC. Obviously, Manny Pacquiao came through beating 
Keith Thurman, uh, obviously Thurman would have been an easy choice for either guy to fight. You right. know, both fighters in their relative prime, same age. But when Man- right. Manny and Pacquiao, he could fight the loser, maybe. Of course. When, when Manny Pacquiao came through, it kind of mixed up the plans a little bit. But let's be, let's put ourselves in the shoes of, of Errol Spence and Showtime Sean Porter. You're looking across at a huge payday. There is no yep. bigger draw right now in boxing than Manny Pacquiao. Look at his pay-per-view sales here in 2019. He's closing in on, on close to 900,000 pay-per-view buys. He's the biggest name in boxing. He's the biggest pay-per-view draw in boxing. And like you said, he's 40 years old. So why not take that payday and take the, you know, not, I wouldn't say easier route because we don't know who else is out there. Obviously, Terrence Crawford's out there, and we don't think that's going to happen. Right. So I'm not surprised at all that they're bringing up the name of Manny Pacquiao. But... Will Manny Pacquiao take that fight? We saw him in the ring with Errol Spence after he yep. beat Mikey Garcia. They said, do you want this fight? Manny was like, eh, I don't know. So I don't know if, I know those two want to fight Manny Pacquiao, but does Manny Pacquiao want to fight Errol Spence or Sean Porter? That, that's a good question. And I think what we've heard from the Pacquiao camp is, let's say Porter wins that fight. I think that's an easy fight to make in terms of Porter Pacquiao, because I think Pacquiao's camp has seen Sean Porter lose before. He lost to uh, to Kel Brook. He lost to Keith Thurman. So the, the fact that it's a winnable fight for Manny Pacquiao, I think they would take that fight. I think Errol Spence is a lot tougher for the Pacquiao camp because he's undefeated. He's a beast in his prime. He's we saw too. He's a big guy. We saw what he did to a smaller opponent in Mikey Garcia. Now, Pacquiao's bigger than Mikey Garcia, but still, he, they don't want to see a uh, one-sided domination by an Errol Spence to Manny Pacquiao. At this stage in his career, he doesn't necessarily have to take those risks. Even though we want him to, he doesn't necessarily have to. He's almost earned the right not to. So I think if, I think Pacquiao could fight Porter, depending on what happens. I don't see his team signing on to fight Spence or Crawford for that, for that matter. Well, once again, I agree with you again there. I think Porter, Pacquiao... I think that would be the worst case scenario of this quasi tournament. Yeah, yes. Porter will, will obviously deserve it because he had, would have beaten Errol Spence, which is no easy task. I can see Manny Pacquiao either fighting Floyd Mayweather, and we're yep. going to touch on that in a little bit, or Mikey Garcia is a name that yes. I threw out there uh, a few weeks back, and something that makes a lot of sense. These two were supposed to fight each other years ago when they were both underneath the top ranked banner. Right. Uh, I mean, Mikey Garcia is a smaller uh, foe here, he's 140 pounds naturally. So is Manny Pacquiao. The size is there and the pay-per-view stardom is there. Look at the numbers that uh, Mikey Garcia did against Errol Spence. I know that Errol Spence drove the pay-per-view in a way, but let's be honest, the whole Mexican fan base and everything that Mikey Garcia brings yep. to the table going up against an, an aging icon and Manny Pacquiao that still has it. I wouldn't be surprised if Manny Pacquiao says, you know what, I'm not fighting Errol Spence. He's too damn big and he's too damn good. I'll go for Mikey Garcia and we'll do it on Fox pay-per-view. We'll do it in Dallas Cowboys Stadium. We'll fill that place up. What are your thoughts on that? That that fight sells big time. Pacquiao and Mikey Garcia is a great fight. And I think here's the here's the bottom line. As boxing fans, we want to see the best fight the best. We want to see Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford. The reality of the situation is it's going to take a long time for that to happen, unfortunately. And we may have to settle for these other matchups, which is why we're having the discussion. Let's see what happens with Errol Spence for Sean Porter next. And I think that'll dictate how the rest of it plays out. Piggybacking off our last topic that we just talked about, these matchups in boxing that seemingly never get made, and it's so infuriating. So, uh, Leonard Ellaby from Gervonta Davis's team reportedly offered Tevin Farmer $2 million for the fight. On the other side of the table, Eddie Hearn, who's working with Tevin Farmer, of course, offered Gervonta Davis $5 million. So, offers are being made. The question is, will that fight ever get made? They're at different networks, there's, there's issues there. So, Dan, 
do you think that fight is ever going to get made? And are boxing fans getting tired of this? Of course boxing fans are getting tired of this. It's been going on uh, since, you know, the, the early 2000s and, and yeah. none more than Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather which played out for five, six years at a time. But this fight here, Tevin Farmer and Javante Davis, is a great matchup on paper. Uh, this whole yes, going is. back and forth, they've been going chirping back and forth on Twitter for it seems like an eternity now. Yep. Now they're fighting over $5 million versus $2 million. They're off by uh, $3 million there. You know, Tevin Farmer says that that's an insult to $2 million. Eddie Hearn comes back and says that, hey, listen, we have a $5 million offer on the table to Javante Davis to fight Tevin Farmer on the zone. That's the main issue here. That's just the issue that we're seeing in all of boxing when it prevents best fighting the best. It's the network problems. Because right. let's take a look at it. Showtime Boxing is a little in a little bit of trouble right now. They haven't put on the best fights. They haven't put on a lot of fights. But Javante Davis seems like one of their cornerstones for wherever have they going forward here. Yep. And does Showtime want to lose him? To the zone. Are they going to? They have invested clearly in the Javante Davis business. Are they going to say, you know what? We'll let you get your five million because that's what it's all about. <laughs> fighters making their most money. But you're going to have to go fight on the zone. I don't see I don't Showtime doing do that. that either. Yep. So I don't think this fight happens next. I think this fight is going to continue to marinate. Yep. And I think that uh, Diaz will fight. Uh, who are they saying he's going to fight? Diaz will fight whoever they put in front of him, and then. Then you have Javante uh, Davis going up against Gamboa. Gamboa yeah. I think Jojo Diaz. Jojo Diaz is going right. to fight uh, Farmer, uh, Davis with Gamboa. So yeah, I think it's unfortunate. It's just the state of events that neither, no network is going to say, hey, go make more money and go fight on that network. And I think, like you said, Showtime, they have Javante Davis and they have Deontay Wilder. They're going to want to hold on to the guys that they have even more so now than ever because it seems like their stable is shrinking. And I think we're dealing with an overall problem in boxing. And, and what that problem is, is you have guy A and guy B, and guy A can make decent amount of money fighting someone else than guy B. He, can, he might make half, or he might make three-fourths. And his point is, why don't I fight these lesser opponents on my side of the street? It's easier to make those contracts made, and I can avoid the risk of fighting the best guy yeah, but, B. But what I'll say to that is, at yeah. what point does those fighters run out? I think we're seeing that with Tevin Farmer. He's the busiest uh, yeah. champion in boxing, five defenses in the, over the last 12 months. But they've been against, do you even remember any of the opponents that he's fought? So it gets to a point where I know what you're saying that's obviously the, the, the business side of yes. things right now in boxing is it's the Al Heyman approach, it's the PBC approach. Right. And if I was a fighter, I'd be all for it. I'm gonna, if I'm gonna fight a lesser opponent and get paid the same amount of money, of course I'm gonna take that. But get it gets to more a, money. Right, of course. It's gonna get to the point though. When it's happening now with Tevin Farmer, not so much with Javante Davis because he's a little bit younger and, uh, you know, he still has his climb going. But Tevin Farmer is 27, 28 years old. He's entering the prime of his career right. and he doesn't have a signature fight on his ledger. So I think that time is running out here for Tevin Farmer. They're going to have to come to fruition here, come to a plan. But one thing I'll ask you is yeah. you bring up the fact that Wilder and on Showtime, is that necessarily locked in stone? Because we're seeing reports from Mike Covinger saying that if that you know there could potentially see Tyson Fury and Luis Ortiz end up on Fox pay-per-view. He's also saying that Deontay Wilder and Fury is going to be a joint pay-per-view between ESPN and Fox. So is Showtime losing their stranglehold on Deontay Wilder, and does that make them hold on to Javante Davis exactly. even more? Exactly. So we know that uh, Deontay Wilder could go to Fox, and like you said, that could actually make Showtime want to keep Javante Davis even more and not let. That this fight happened. I think the overall situation is you brought up the word marinate, and that term actually started with Bob Arum saying that uh, Juan Manuel Lopez and Gamboa needed more time to marinate, and unfortunately they both ended up. Well, it's funny because Gamboa is going to fight. Now, but, right, so it comes full circle in that way. But the, the the issue is that fights 
need to marinate and then sometimes they end up not happening. And so how do we solve that problem? So here's how I think we solve that problem. As boxing fans, we need to demand these matchups. And how do we do that? Every time we see these fighters, every time we see these promoters in person at press conferences, at fights, we need to say, hey, we want you to fight X. Now, anytime you're getting in the ring, you're risking your life. So it's up to these fighters to choose the best deal for themselves. But in terms of fans, we need to have the public outcry so big that these fights happen. Just like Mayweather and Pacquiao, they were on very different sides of the street, different networks, different everything. They, they didn't like each other. They didn't want the fight to come together. The public outcry was so much for three, four, five years that the fight finally happened. And we need that situation to happen now in terms of what we can do as fans. Well, if Wilder goes off of Showtime, then they're in serious, serious trouble. Yes. Absolutely. Our next interview on Inside Boxing Live is brought to you by Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar. Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located just a few steps away from Madison Square Garden and Times Square. Go into Jack Doyle's for all your entertainment needs. From happy hours to birthday parties to private events, Jack Doyle's has you covered. Once again, that's Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located on 240 West 35th Street. Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, the rematch is not going away. We had a video surface over the weekend of uh, Floyd Mayweather saying he's boarding his jet. He's heading over to Saudi Arabia to talk Manny Pacquiao versus Floyd Mayweather, the rematch. But here's the thing. It didn't come from Floyd's Instagram. It didn't come from his Twitter account. Everything we know about Floyd in the past when it comes to his major announcements, they come right from him. It, right. it was leaked by a secondary uh, website out there. It was a grainy video. But I'll say this is... Obviously, we know it's fake because Floyd came out on Fight Hype and said that it's fake. Is it though? Is Floyd, did Floyd, someone from Floyd's team leak this out here? We see this all the time in boxing when they want to, you know, get a feeler on social media. What are the fans thinking about this? Are they going to react and say, yeah, we want this fight? Or are they back and say, you know what, you already get gauges for, for uh, $100 now. I'm not doing it again. What do you think, Karen? So here's the thing. The video most likely is an old video, which means oh, it's it is, not yeah. real, like we're calling it fake because it wasn't on Floyd's own uh, social accounts. It wasn't on the Shots app that he's used before. So, <laughs> well, I forgot about the Shots <laughs> yeah, app. Right, no, dating ourselves a little bit, right? Okay, but here's the point. It doesn't matter if it's real or fake. It doesn't matter, and I'll tell you why. Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, the way that that fight even happened was a random website photoshopped an image, a fight poster of them together, yeah. then media outlets picked it up, and then people started talking about it, and then you know that the word trickled into to these inner circles and someone's in Connor's ear saying, hey, you should fight Mayweather in a boxing ring and make a whole lot of money. And someone's telling Mayweather the same thing. And that fight actually ended up happening. So here's my point. The fact that the video came out now, it doesn't matter if it's authentic. The fact that people are talking about it means that the fight could happen. And it actually is the best possible time for that fight to happen in terms of the rematch, and I'll tell you why. Pacquiao, 40 years old, just beat Keith Thurman, who is a top undefeated welterweight, and now his stock has never been higher. Mayweather, his stock is high, as it always is, but his ego is also high, and he doesn't like that Pacquiao's getting headlines. Yeah. And you know what's a way to stop Pacquiao from getting all the glory? Fight him again and beat him again. So I think the video, it doesn't matter if it's fake or not, I think the fight is this is the best time for the fight to happen and I think it could happen in Saudi Arabia. Was anyone else a little uh, uh, disappointed when you realized that it was a fake video? And I, I was a little like into it. I'm Listen, I'm on the record <laughs> saying that I want this rematch to happen. Yes. I'm all for it. I was at the first one. Uh, I enjoyed being there. It was a spectacle and I actually thought it wasn't that bad of a fight. I right. mean, it didn't reach the expectations, but it was a really good fight. I think the fight will be even better this time, mostly because of what you just touched on, the fact that Pacquiao is healthy now. Did he have a shoulder problem in that first fight? 
He's coming off of a big win over Keith Thurman. Yep. And you look over on the other side, Floyd Mayweather. Listen, obviously he is a defensive wizard, but he is 42 years old. Is he slowing down a bit, which makes for a better fight when you slow down and you, you lose your defense right. and you, you don't know what's going on there. So I'll tell you this, though. Thinking about this fight, let's just say this this was a true this was true. Yeah. And and Floyd Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao ends up in Saudi Arabia. Right. I actually think that fight belongs in Saudi Arabia over Joshua and Ruiz because that's a money grab. Yep. This is a fight that you put in Saudi Arabia. This is a spectacle. This is what you have Tyga and Rick Ross right. come out and perform. The other fight is a real championship fight between Ruiz and Joshua. So I think yes. that if this were, the roles were switched around, and yes, we're obviously talking about something that's not true, right. but I could see this move from Al Heyman, this was being reported, of Al Heyman bringing the fight to Saudi Arabia to bump Andy Ruiz, his guy, off of it and move right. that fight to the UK or the US where it belongs. The, the politics game there, right, in, in terms of Mayweather-Pacquiao stealing the headlines maybe. Um, so, yes, the fight should be in Saudi Arabia because it is more of a spectacle. It's, it'll be more of an event. And the money, as we know, Saudi Arabia is getting into boxing. They're in the Super Boxing League. Amir Khan just fought Billy Dib there. So we know that they're interested uh, in boxing. And like you said, I think the biggest thing, though, is that this is an actually interesting time for the rematch to happen because both guys are older. Does that mean that there's new vulner vulnerabilities there? And now, like you said, we know that Pacquiao probably had the hurt shoulder. Since then, he's been beating top guys in the division. Mayweather has fought, you could say, lesser competition. He fought Conor McGregor, oh, yeah. who was making his pro debut in boxing. He's fought someone making their pro debut, and I think Conor did great in that fight, but he was making his pro debut. And then he fought Tenshin Nakasawa from Japan. So that was an ex exhibition fight. So Mayweather's competition level has not been where Manny's has. And so it seems like the perfect time to sell a, a rematch and say, hey, yeah, these guys are older. What that means is the usually put together Mayweather with his defense, with the shoulder roll, would that be as tight as it always is? Well, look at Mayweather in that fight versus Nakasawa. Yeah. He, he was looking a little flabby. He didn't yeah. have the, the, the 12, 13 abs that he usually does. Right. Another thing, though, as we wrap this up, is is the selective outrage. I have a problem with, with Saudi Arabia hosting Ruiz Joshua. I don't have a problem with Saudi Arabia hosting the fight for Pacquiao and Mayweather. The selective outrage, and we're seeing yeah. that unfold a lot, especially on, on social media. Also in the news, the new feud, maybe you could call it, Anthony Joshua and Lennox Lewis. So Joshua says that Lennox is a clown. He says that he wants to have his own legacy. And I actually think, Dan, this started earlier this year. You spoke to Lennox Lewis and you said, when you talked to him, Lennox said, Joshua doesn't want any part of those guys. I think I'm quoting that correctly. Those guys, referring to Wilder, uh, referring to Fury. So almost not giving Joshua credit there. So you would, you would have thought that Lennox would maybe support Joshua and they would have a good relationship. That is not the case. So why do you think that's not the case? I'll say this feud right here is very disappointing for a number of reasons. You don't like to see young fighters and old fighters go at it, especially uh, from the same country, especially two heavyweights in here. And yes, right. When I interviewed Lennox Lewis back in December, it was his first appearance for the PBC, caught him a little off guard, asked him a simple question of, Will, do you think that Anthony Joshua will come over to the U.S. and fight the likes of Deontay Wilder and fight the likes of uh, you know, Andy Ruiz, anyone? The main question was, will you come over to the right. U.S.? That's when Joshua went off. I mean, that's when Lewis went off a little bit and said that he's scared. He said he's protected. He's going to fight bums right. over in the U.K. I think Joshua got wind of that. Because that's the only real, you know, not to say derogatory, but that's the real, like, definitive words right. from Lewis in this whole feud. The rest of it has been speculation of Lennox Lewis being jealous, or Lennox Lewis being jealous of the money, or Lennox Lewis feeling like he is the superior fighter uh, to Anthony Joshua. I think there's no real argument there. I think, no. I mean, Lennox Lewis is one of the top five heavyweights of all time. But this feud is, is just ridiculous. I don't understand 
why it's gotten to this point. I think Joshua, uh, I don't know if this is the new Joshua, are we seeing this? But I, I just think that this feud is ridiculous, and I think that it needs to come to an end. I think I've seen on social media that someone needs to step in and, and maybe like a George Foreman type and mediate this because yep. it's only going to get uglier and uglier because guys have social media now. They're, they're trading pictures of lions, <laughs> and I don't even know where it's going and calling him a clown. Yeah. Like, Lennox Lewis is not a clown. Like, you can say right. whatever you want to say about Lewis inside the ring, but the guy has always dealt with class and, and respect. And let's be honest, like I said, one of the top five heavyweights, top let, five, top ten heavyweights of all time. But whoever uh, brought Drake and Meek Mill back together, that person should, should be hired to bring uh, Joshua and Lennox Lewis back together. He, here's the other thing. Lennox Lewis was a great heavyweight, as you said. And he actually faced knockout losses and losses. He, he lost to Rockbot right, and he so came many, back. Right. So you would think that he could, that Joshua could turn to Lewis now more than ever and say, hey, you've been through this and you've had the expectations on your shoulders as this great UK heavyweight. How do I deal with this loss and, and now actually come back from it? So I think it's unfortunate that they are having these issues. Here's what I think happened. I think Joshua, you know, there's, there's been talk, is he making the heel turn, right? In WWE, we call it the heel turn mm -hmm. where, where the, guy, the good guy becomes bad. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think Joshua is a good guy. I think he's a hard worker. But I think if you get asked about the same question enough and you hear quotes from time to time from your interview and other interviews about someone talking about you, you are eventually going to have to say something. And now he said, he is a clown and I'm making my own legacy. And I think it's fair to say, I'm making my own legacy. You're not really connected yeah. to me in that way. But so, do you think that, that Joshua's making the heel turn? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've heard things that this whole Joshua being the nice guy is kind of an act, and what we're seeing him now after he lost, you know, right. not caring about what people think about him, uh, you know, spending time in New York, smiling in the ring afterwards, right. and then going on to say these things about, about Lewis, I think that right there is the real Joshua. He, I feel like after he lost that fight, the weight of the world was taken off of his shoulders. Yes. Eddie Hearn has put a lot of pressure on Anthony Joshua, rightfully so. The dude was an Olympian. He was, you know, he's got the body of Adonis. I mean, he has yes. everything going for him except for for that, that loss right right there. But yes, I do think it's a little bit of, of a heel turn. But the only problem I had with with what Joshua said is, is that I'm building my own legacy for the younger guys. Does he really already think of himself in that stage of his career? I don't understand that. I feel like. That just shows me that he's not hungry anymore. He should still be on the rise. How old is he? 28? Uh, yep. Tops? I mean, why is he talking about the younger era of heavyweights? He's still considered, in my opinion, the younger era of heavyweights. So that showed me a little bit into his psyche right now. Because right now, a lot of people are looking into the mind of Anthony Joshua. Yeah, I think that's that's actually the one thing me and you have in common with him. We have that chiseled perfect body, right? No, I wish. Uh, totally, <laughs> totally kidding. I think you learn a lot about a fighter when he faces his first loss. And we're learning that about Joshua now. He was... It's easy to be the nice guy when you're invincible and undefeated and rolling through opponents and, and you have all but one knockout in every fight that you've won. I, I think it's easy to, to do that at that time. But now that he's going through the loss, maybe we're learning a little bit more about the who who the real Anthony Joshua is. Now, I don't think it was nice guy and now he's mean. I think it's it was always somewhere in the middle, but he was kind of built up to be nice guy, polished, best fighter, you know, in the, in the last 30 years, people said. So his legacy in terms of what he does in boxing is still yet to be seen. It's gonna a huge part is gonna depend on how he uh, does in the rematch against Andy Ruiz. Well, there's only one way to settle this, and that's with Lennox Lewis coming out of retirement facing Anthony. Jones. That's uh, yeah, nailed it. Moving on to something that I didn't even want to talk about, I buried it here <laughs> towards the bottom of the standing eight count, and that's the LA Times and Dylan Hernandez's ridiculous story, citing that boxing is dead, maybe the 80th thousandth time, and what he cited was a, the poor turnout for Spence Porter press conference. Let's keep in mind it was at 11.30 a.m. 
on a midweek in L.A. We know traffic in L.A. You're not going to get to there. Also cited uh, the Canelo Alvarez failed attempts of getting that Triple G fight, as well as some other things that just didn't make any sense. The Saudi Arabia one, yeah, I mean, that's been going on for years here. My question to you, Kern, is when are editors and writers going to stop with this silly narrative that boxing is dead? They need to stop with it soon. Now, boxing is cyclical. It's a niche sport, as we know. But here's the thing. Let's, let's talk some numbers. Mayweather-Pacquiao happened in 2015. That had 4.6 million pay-per-view buys. Mayweather versus McGregor. That was in 2017. So even more recently, that had 4.3 million buys. The highest-paid athletes on the Forbes list for a long time, you see Mayweather's name on there. You see Pacquiao's name on there. There's money being generated by the sport. We know what happened to HBO Boxing last year. They, they fell out of the boxing business. You know who picked it up? It didn't just go away. Now there's more boxing on Fox. There's more boxing on ESPN. The Zone has emerged. Showtime's still doing boxing. And then there's all these other outlets, streaming services. So boxing is definitely not dead. And I think it's it's almost like a cheap shot to, to make that your headline um, and try to kind of clickbait you and say, boxing's dead, let me, you know, let me look at this. So I think editors need to stop doing that soon and writers need to stop doing that. And I think there are problems in boxing and we know that the biggest matchups, like we talked about, can't be made all the time. And that is an issue, but that doesn't mean the sport is dead. Right. I had a, a lot of issues with this guy's story. I don't know how much of a boxing fan he is. I don't know how much he covers there. I mean, you can go into the fact that newspapers are, are, are dying uh, and that's unfortunate. Maybe they had to do a clickbait type of story and, it, and it, I fell for it. I mean, I tweeted it. A lot of people tweeted yep, it. We're talking world. about it now. We're talking about it right now. I challenged Dylan Hernandez to a debate. He didn't answer me uh, on Twitter because I'd love to go back to him with some of the things that you just talked about. Okay, you bring up the fact that uh, the fight in Saudi Arabia is a disgrace. This is prize fighting. It, it goes, it's been going on forever. Going to the highest bidder is just as common in boxing as a standing eight count, as we're doing right now. I mean, it's tradition. Also going to bring up the fact uh, that the fight couldn't happen between uh, Triple G and, and Canelo. So you're going to get on the, the fact boxing's dead because of failed negotiations? This is what happens. There's no schedules in boxing. There's negotiations when there's that much money on the line. Let's keep in mind, too, the fight between Triple G and Canelo. You listed all those big pay-per-views. They're the third highest gate in the history of Nevada. But still, Hernandez at that fight, were you not pumped up for that one? Are you not going to be at Spence Porter? Are you not going to be at some of the biggest fights there? You better not be there because if you are, then you're, you're a walking contradiction. So I had a little bit of issues with some of the, issue, the, the points that he raised in that story. It's so tired. It's so old. Boxing, yes, like Larry Merchant said, no one can save it and no one can kill it. It's like the old cockroach that Sergio Moore, that Sergio Moore also tweeted about too. There are some issues with boxing, of course, but I think it's far from it. Look at the money that's being invested. Yep. Why is Dana White getting involved in boxing right. if it's a dying sport? Right. Why are more networks, why are, why are prominent players, like you said, Dana White, getting involved? And so to answer Dylan Hernandez, you know, in, it's funny, in Clockwork Orange, they had the scene where they had to keep his eyes open and make him watch. It's almost like we should take a blindfold and not let him watch. You can't watch Joshua Ruiz 2. You're telling me you don't want to see that fight? You can't watch uh, Wilder Fury 2. You can't watch Spence Porter. You can't watch Canelo Triple G. There's so many great fights to be made, and people are actually tuning in and watching these fights. So, like you said, there are problems with the sports, and, and, and that's what we need to, to really like delve in and figure out how to fix, but that doesn't mean it's dead. Um, the, I think the biggest problem you know, that is plaguing our sport right now is what we've been talking about, networks and different, it's, it's too fragmented and there's too many belts. Right now, they call it the four belt era, plus you could call the lineal championship, which is not oh, a lot wow. of play. Oh, that's good. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, would, I think for us to maybe make these reports go away in terms of our sport, I think we have to uh, eliminate the multiple belts. I think we have to have less belts, have one champion if we can. It's gonna be hard to do, and I think we have to work on fighters' safety. I think if we're able to do those things, at least as a starting right. point, we can make these type of people go away. And he didn't even bring up the, the fighter safety, which I would have agreed with him 
there. There were, I don't want to say I agree with them some points. Obviously, right. boxing, there, there is problems, a little bit of warts on, on the sport. And you bring up the networks, and we're seeing something here in, in 2019. Not the best year for fights. And no. we saw with the, the absence of HBO and DAZN getting into things, and now we almost have, like, leagues now where, where PBC is a league. Right. Matchroom, DAZN is a league. You have uh, ESPN, the top rank with their league, yeah. and it seems like they're only making in-house fights. And we saw that a little bit of last year. We saw it trickle into this year, but we also saw Hooker versus Ramirez over on DAZN, a top rank fighter versus a matchroom fighter. Yeah. That fight was everything boxing's about. So I am hopeful that fights will be starting to get made because we're running out of options in-house. It's getting to a point where we can't find any more opponents on our own roster. We're gonna have to branch out as a means of survival. So I think Dylan Hernandez, you're wrong, and I better not see you at a fight because I'm gonna come after you. Bottom line, boxing is fragmented, but not dead. Yeah, that's not a good headline, though. <laughs> this is the last topic for the standing eight count, and we're talking about Manny Pacquiao. Now let's put away his history with animals, but he has a new dog, and he's named him. Thurman. This was on a video. So, Dan, what do you make about him naming his dog Thurman? I thought this was hilarious. I don't look at Pacquiao as a troll. I don't look at him as a no. trash talker. Obviously, in the lead up to the Thurman fight, Thurman did all the trash talking. Manny Pacquiao said, I'm going to do my fighting with my fist. And he, did. he won the fight. Uh, but this is classic trolling. This is how you want to troll. <laughs> this is Manny Pacquiao at his finest. He posts a picture with a, a, with a dog. It looks like a new family dog uh, for the Pacquiao family. And it's about 30 seconds into the video. We're like, right, where's he going with this? And he goes, all right, Thurman, all right, Thurman. He names his dog Thurman. If I'm Keith Thurman, yeah. I'm like, am I like pissed off or am I like kind of like think this is right. like a compliment? You think of me that much? You're going to name your dog Thurman? So I thought that was hilarious. I thought it was a funny moment and what has been a rough few weeks in boxing. Leave it for Manny Pacquiao to provide some comedy for everyone it's, in boxing. It's fun. It's lighthearted. And it would be great to see. Keith Thurman's reaction to that. So let's look at Pacquiao's year, right? So he, in the beginning of the year, we know he uh, signed with PBC with Al Heyman, right? And he took on Adrian Broner in January. He wiped him out clean. It was a shutout. And then he takes on Keith Thurman, and that was a massive fight. And Keith Thurman, in his prime, 28 years old, undefeated at the time, top guy in the welterweight division. Pacquiao beats him. He knocks him down. It was a close fight, but Pacquiao definitely won that fight, and he gets all the props for that. He's going to sit out the rest of the year because he is a senator in the Philippines, and he has those duties. So let me ask you this, Dan. Is Manny Pacquiao your fighter of the year so far? I mean, he is the clubhouse leader at this point. You right. bring up the fact that he beat Adrian Broner. He beat Keith Thurman. Those are two huge wins. You factor in that he's 40 years old. Yep. And uh, they factor in how he did it, too. Like you said, shutting out Adrian Broner, almost knocking out Keith Thurman at age 40. So right, right now, Manny Pacquiao is my clubhouse leader for fighter of the year. But there are some fights in the second half of 2019 where we could see another front runner uh, emerge and, and take that from Manny Pacquiao, one being Andy Ruiz. If Andy Ruiz and Joshua fight, which I think they will, Andy Ruiz wins again, how do you not give Andy Ruiz fighter of the year for defeating Anthony Joshua twice? Once in MSG, once in Saudi Arabia if the fight ends up there. Another guy you gotta think about is Canelo Alvarez. Yep. Canelo Alvarez beat Danny Jacobs in a unification bout, did not have to fight Danny Jacobs in that one, but took him on and looked, looked very good in that one. So let's say he fights Kovalov. And he beats Kolov, goes up to 175, right. wins a title, uh, what is it, his third or fourth weight class. He defeats Kovalev. How do you not give it to, to Canelo Alvarez at that point? A lot, a lot remains to be seen, and I think the point is that Pacquiao's done fighting for the year versus these other top right, guys like, in the sport. It's like golf. He's done. He was he's, done with his 18. He's, he's in, in the clubhouse. Right. The number is posted, but we don't know if it's going to last. 
Um, but Pacquiao is probably sitting pretty in that clubhouse. So I think, like you said, um, Canelo is in, is in the mix there. Uh, Andy Ruiz, he, he had the shocking upset, and if he can beat Joshua again, that's massive. I think we also have to look at Errol Spence is, is uh, fighting Sean Porter. Let's see what happens to him. Terrence Crawford is another one. So Terrence Crawford beat Amir Khan. It was, it was no uh, easy opponent, and he beat him pretty handily earlier this year. So let's see what he can put together uh, later this year. Um, now we know Canelo, like you said, beat Danny Jacobs, and his whoever he ends up fighting is probably going to be a big name, right? We're talking about Sergey Kovalev as a possibility. Oh, yeah. Triple G, we want that. We don't know if it's going to happen uh, this year. If he fights Andre and beats Andre, that's a huge uh, win for him. So the fact that there is a lot, a lot of boxing left this year means we don't know who the fighter of the year is going to be. But like you said, Manny Pacquiao is uh, is doing well in, in the race. Well, how about fight? We were talking fight of the year or, or fighter of the year. How about fight of the year? Yeah. That's another thing. I, I when I think of, I saw it on Twitter and, and people didn't know where to go with it because it hasn't been the greatest year right in terms of I mean, a lot of upset you know Andrew Cancio upsetting uh, in, in his fight you had yep. uh, J-Rock beating uh, Hurd which I think is potentially the fight of the year then but everything goes back to Joshua and Ruiz I mean you can't have a fight like that with the emotions that it brought out and the sheer oh you said shit oh shit moment in that fight <laughs> that right there to me is the fight of the year what do you what do you have for fight put of the a year? dollar in the square jar so I think I think Joshua Ruiz, just of the wow factor, I think it's almost like a, in this generation we'll remember and how crazy that it was, the heavyweight championship, uh, being uh, that being moved from someone that we thought was undefeated, that was undefeated, and to lose in that shocking way. But I also look at Pacquiao Thurman. To me, that is on top as one of the best fights I've ever yeah, seen in terms three. of, there was so much back and forth with Pacquiao knocking down Thurman early, Thurman coming back in the middle rounds, and then Pacquiao doing what he did at uh, 40 years old, landing the body shot in round 10. So I think it has been actually a good year in terms of competitive Good fights, and I think those are the fights I look at in terms of fights of the year. That is it for this edition, our first edition of the Standing A Count. We're going to be back with more of this type of content here on Inside Boxing Live. There are some honorable mention topics here that we did not get to in the Standing A Count, so we'll bring it up here to round out the show. Current, I will ask you here, Triple G. Looks like he's aligning himself with Eddie Hearn in Matchroom. What does this mean for Triple G in this stage of his career? You know, Triple G's made a lot of changes lately. He got rid of his longtime trainer, Abel Sanchez, brought in Jonathan Banks, who trained uh, Vladimir Klitschko and others. And also, he's been with Tom Loeffler for a long time, but he's obviously not happy with the way these Canelo fights went down and he wants a change. Now he's with Eddie Hearn. I think that that's a good thing in terms of us getting the matchups that we want and, and getting the, the Canelo trilogy. Yeah, I don't know what it means for Tom Loeffler. He was kind of like an odd man out, but he was there for his last fight against Steve roles he was at right. the dais he was at the in, in the ring all that but yeah i do think it makes it easier for certain fights to happen listen golovkin has what a five 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 more fights with his own which is hard to even believe this does mean he we finally see bj saunders in there does it mean we see some of the matching guys get in there or does it right. mean that making that fight with 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 canelo with eddie hearn in your corner makes it that much easier so it's something uh to, to, to keep an eye on another thing to keep an eye on current is the heavyweight division and something we're seeing here between, I mean, it's moving every every second of the of the, of the time here, yep. and that's Deontay Wilder and Luis Ortiz. We saw a report from Mike Cobbinger saying this fight does not happen by the end of November. It's off, and that's because we know that Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury are going to square off in February. So it's a very unique situation, and great reporting by uh, sources, Mike Cobbinger there. Yep. Um, so I think it's a very unique situation because usually in boxing you don't sign the next fight before you have the current fight because so much can happen. You can have an injury. You could have a guy pull out. There's a million things that could happen, but we're in the unique case that Wilder Fury 2 is signed for February of next year. Yeah, and February now, 22nd. There you go. And now, 
Wilder wants to have his rematch with Ortiz. It's also a very risky fight for Wilder, but they need to make sure that they can get that fight in November. So I think that's a unique, different situation in boxing. It's almost a win-win for Wilder. If he gets the fight, great. If he doesn't, I mean, maybe he avoids fighting Ortiz. Do you think that this is their way of trying to get rid of that fight with Ortiz? Because it's a risky fight like we just touched on. Do you think it's like, why am I going to fight Ortiz if right. we have this huge pay-per-view with Fury that's going to be on Fox and ESPN? It's going to be two weeks after the Super Bowl. The lead-up to that's going to be incredible. So maybe they're getting, finally getting that. into the year of Wilder and saying, listen, like maybe don't fight Luis Ortiz. Wilder's probably looking at Tyson Fury and saying, he's fighting Otto Wallen, and I have to fight this beast in Luis Ortiz. I don't know if Wilder is necessarily trying to do that. Maybe other people in his management and his team are because he, when he signed up for the Ortiz fight, he knew that the Fury fight uh, was probably going to happen. It's even more locked in now, but he knew that it was probably going to happen. So I think this is a good situation for Wilder and, and let's see what happens. There it is. This is the end of the program. Curran Batia, thank you for joining me here on a special edition of Inside Boxing Lab coming to you from Jack Doyle's restaurant. We'll be back next week in studio Inside Boxing Lab. See you next week, everybody.